welcome to episode, I think this is episode five of Shrinkwrapped. Um, so we're having a little bit of a different format this time. In the past, we've tried to do sort of rapid fire questions at me. Um, this time, we're gonna try and just have more of an open conversation about these different topics. I feel like historically it's been uh, just me responding and you're not, I don't think you're saying enough. So hopefully you'll be more involved and we have more of an equal conversation. Okay. So I think I have a lot to say. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Uh, so my name is David Colorosi. I have a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, PhD in counseling and psychology. This is my wife, Allison. You want to talk a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm married to a psychologist, and I have two kids. What better thing? What, what else is there? Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have two kids, and I work full time. So, okay. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about questions that come up a lot in, I would say, psychology, pop psycho, popular psychology, and in therapy, mm -hmm. um, with the expert. And I'm gonna weigh in with my unbiased opinion. <laughs> okay, I have a I have a news. Can we start with, by talking about the news? Okay. So I just did. I just posted a video. So this this will come out in a few in a few days. So but. Uh, on Tuesday, I posted a video um, about Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm not sure if you've even seen the video yet, but Jada Pinkett Smith, who was married to Will Smith, um, got caught in a uh, an entanglement that she had four years ago with August Alsina, who is a, a hip hop artist. Um, and so the Twitter world is ablaze with people debating, you know, is this a good thing for their relationship? Is it a bad thing for their relationship? Do they really have a healthy relationship? Um, and so I'm curious, what do you think about that kind of, you know, it, 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 it feels like in the media you have these couples. So Rachel Hollis was the first couple that I talked about uh, on doing the vlogs. Um, but you have these couples like the Smiths who constantly talk about how they have these perfect relationships. And then it comes out that they have, you know, they were separated, things were going downhill, Jada needed to find herself found herself with a guy that was half her age. Do you have any thoughts well, on that? Well, they are beautiful people. I mean, mm -hmm. I bet they get a lot of attention. So I'm just going to start that. But I do think, like, they're just... Even though they happen to be genetically blessed, I feel like they probably go through all the same things that normal couples go with. Mm -hmm. and but But they have uh, the privilege... Um, of having the media attention on them always, and I feel like that, like, I they probably couldn't share what was really happening in their relationship because they're, you know, they're surrounded by the media. But what I don't understand is why do we, why do these public figures feel the need to put their relationship front and center? Why do they have to brag about? I I get it that you don't. That you don't that you don't always have you're not gonna always have a perfect relationship and things are difficult. I get it. What I don't get is why do they have why does Jada need to come out, you know, whatever it is, once a quarter at her red table and talk about how great her relationship is, you know, how well she knows herself, how well she knows her husband, how well she knows her kids. Like why do they have to elevate their relationship? They're not getting paid. I, mean, I guess the red table makes her money, but what's the what's the driver? To, to be so insincere about what's happening in your personal life? Well, I mean, I feel like that's just Instagram. Like, 
isn't you never I feel like everyone is having more fun than me on Instagram and so like I feel like it's the same feeling like they want to project what's really great but they're not going to show you you know yeah their skeletons and so um like that could have been on her mind and so like oh I'm having this wild affair but I'm going to tell the world in case there's any weird um rumors out there that like Will's the man or whatever just in case we, just, just in case, case people are wondering if there is a rumor to yeah, you know well what I didn't say when I posted the video and I guess what I wanted to say here is I I am like the more I think about it the more frustrated I am with Jada's response to the whole thing sorry our dog is walking around in the background <laughs> the more frustrated I am with Jada's response to the whole thing which is to say that's behind me and because I did that I learned a really valuable lesson and this lesson is really shocking. You don't find satisfaction outside of yourself, you find it inside of yourself. It feels like that's the lesson that we're teaching kids when they're like 12, right? When you're in sixth grade, you have that discussion. And I feel like she's just using that platitude to explain uh, this behavior in trying, there's this need is for her to sort of tie a bow around it and say, look, that was me back then. Uh, but we're much better now, and that's never going to happen again, and that's not how our relationship is. And the reality is they've been rumored to have an open marriage. I think they do have an open marriage. I don't care if they have an open marriage. Um, but clearly they've had some bad times, and clearly they're still having some bad times. So I don't understand why she has to tr – why can't she just say, yeah, we're having a hard time. We all have hard times, and we're going to get through it. Why does she have to say – that was in the past, we're perfect now, I've really learned, and now I'm a healthy, full, happy person. It's just all bullshit. But maybe she thinks that that's who she is right now. Like maybe she does feel like, oh, it's amazing, like now I know. And then tomorrow. I feel like people's feelings are fleeting on how they're doing. Don't I you guess. feel like that? I know mine are. Some days I feel like things are going great. And then other days, my toddler hits me and it just makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, I will, I honestly, I did not even think for a second that it was sincere on her part. But so um, I appreciate, no, no, but that's a good, maybe, maybe that is really how, maybe she really thinks, maybe she's really convinced herself because she had this illicit affair, which by the way happened like four years ago. It's just coming out because August talked about it in an interview. Um, but maybe she really believes that that time separating from Will, hooking up with August, maybe she really believes it made her a better person. I just am like... I don't know. I just like... It's really... They're just really... I mean, beautiful people. Both. Why do you keep saying they're beautiful because people? Because Jada is so beautiful. Jeez. She probably has people like knocking down her door constantly. Oh. <laughs> I, I hadn't... I, True. I guess Will, that's true. Will wasn't paying attention to her like for a couple of months. Like he was off doing Men in Black or something, and she was like, "Oh, I need some attention. Who should I call?" You know, I the local twenty-five-year-old. Very virile. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. God, I feel so bad for Will. All right, what do you? What did you want to talk about? I thought you you looked like you brought a list. I did, and actually that story is boring to me, so I'm glad we're moving on. Oh. Okay, um, I would like to talk about an important topic for you and me. 
which is um, apologizing. That's important, that's important for me and you. Yeah, because I don't like the way you apologize. <laughs> and I thought you, it would be a good opportunity to talk about Okay, this, Gary... is not suppo- this is not supposed to turn into a What's Wrong With David <laughs> podcast, okay? All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, I thought we could talk about Gary Chapman's book, The Apology Languages. Okay, I have I have Do you know what read I, that. I've you not, have not read it. I have not read I have not read it. I mean, I know of the book, but I have no idea what's in the book. Well, what do you think? Why? Okay, then let's go deeper. But you could, but, so why don't you describe what it's in it? Well, the book is similar to the five love languages. It's called, he's had two titles for it. So he's had the five apology languages, and then he had uh, When Sorry's Not Enough. And I apologize, I don't know the co-author's name. It's another uh, PhD. But um, they talk about how everyone has their language that they need to be apologized with. Or have an apology in... I didn't say that right, but how they need to be apologized to. And some people just need, I'm sorry, and other people need... Well, and this is... I'll tell you what I need. Because I don't know all of the languages. But what I need is you to say, I'm sorry, let me tell you what I did, and let me tell you how I hurt you. Are there there people that that need less of an apology than that? Yeah, you. You just need straight I'm sorry. You don't need, like, what I did and why. Well, I think I would appreciate it, what I did and why. But do you need it like I need it? Uh, uh, probably not. <laughs> okay. Probably not. Well, so what do you think about that? Do, do you agree with Dr. Chapman? Uh, okay, I haven't read the book, but I, what I assume the book is about, which is the sort of... Look, the five love languages, So, and there has I have done a video on this, so you can check it out. The five love languages, and I imagine the five apology languages, is it's really about you as an individual in a relationship taking the time to figure out how your partner receives love or how your partner receives an apology. It doesn't really matter what the five love languages are or what the specific apology languages are. Um, I think what matters is that you're burning the calories trying to figure out what your partner needs and then giving them that. So it, it's, it's about intentionality. And so I think absolutely that people need to hear things in a different way, and it's your job in a relationship to try and figure that out. And so certainly, um, I mean, I, I'm a half kidding when I say, I mean, I would love it. I would, I would like a more robust apology when I feel like I've been <laughs> slighted, but it is true that you probably uh, require more in that area than I do. So could you up your game? <laughs> I feel like my game is about as high as about as up as it's gonna get. But so let me just say this. I'm about, telling you, I feel like to a marriage and family therapist, I am telling you what I need. So you should be like, oh yeah, yeah I could that's have why I'm not a marriage and family therapist. Or, I have a, it used to be, and I have the degree, but it, it's been maybe six years ago. I was a lot better in the apology department. <laughs> you need to go back to your room, okay? <laughs> okay, but I this I think mean, this is important to say that if in any relationship. Um, you feel like somebody is sort of circling the drain with you, like just going around and just perseverating or ruminating on some issue over and over and over again, right? If you've said sorry, if I say sorry to my wife about not doing the dishes and she doubles down and tells me that she's still mad at me and I say I'm sorry again and then she doubles down again and then I say I'm sorry again and she doubles down, I will get frustrated because it doesn't feel like she's accepting my apology. What I need to listen to or what I need to be aware of is 
People that say things or ask for things more than once are doing it because they don't feel understood. I guarantee you in this book, what he's really getting at is how do you say an apology in a way that the person you're giving it to really understands that you get it and that you're sorry. People need to know that, you're, that you really understand it. When people feel understood, they stop being upset. They stop wanting to talk about it. When people are circling the drain, like I'm doing it to say it again and again, it's because they don't feel understood. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a good answer. I like how at the end you're like, that was a good answer. That topic I didn't like. That one I, it's like I have like a... But don't you think I should rate them? Because sometimes yeah. you're not that great, right? <laughs> very, you're right. Very rarely. Yeah. Okay. okay what, what do you got there? So I want to talk about self-sabotage. Because I, I feel like I've had friends lately that um, are sabotaging their relationships that are good, um, whether it's by doing something to sabotage it or saying something to sabotage it, what is happening? Why are why what why are people sabotaging their really? And then I've also had a someone that got their dream job and then sabotaged themselves um, too, and both good people, but but why are they doing it? Can you give like a little bit more detail? Or are you trying to protect the protect the witness? Protect the witness. <laughs> no. Protect the innocent. The uh... yeah. Um. So I feel like, um, like in a relationship, um, like ev- they everything is going great, and they have to do something to um. To to damage the relationship, so they have they, to do something to damage. They, well, they do do they just they destroy the relationship. Like they're, you're trying them cheating, or they're not calling the person like what like lying the... like lying. They will lie and get caught, but like very. And you think it's intentional? Yeah. So the reason why so I feel like the idea of self sabotage gets overused. Oh. And it and it's like this bucket term of oh I'm I'm a self sabotager and here's all the times in which I've self you know I've self sabotaged, but self sabotage to me feels like it's pretty intentional, and so we have to sort of separate like is that self sabotage just you engaging in you know, do you have bad habits? So for example, if someone's in a, you know someone's a drinker and they're drinking and that drinking ruins the relationships, you could say well you're self sabotaging, but I don't know if it's intentionally. Self-sabotage. When I think about self-sabotage, I think about somebody being uncomfortable or anxious about the unknown, and that unknown, usually in the case of self-sabotage, is something good, right? So I'm uncomfortable with what my career could look like if things go really well, so I'm going to undermine that by turning things on, turning things in, you know, late or doing a half-assed job or, you know, whatever I could... I, I can derail the future to sort of sit in a place that's comfortable for me. Uh, you could also self-sabotage, which is like the typical high school student um, doesn't want to feel bad for failing, so they just do a shitty job you know, on their work so that they can tell themselves, well, I could have been something great if I had tried. They never, you know, they're not putting themselves out there. You know what I mean? I feel like it falls in different... Like scared to fail. Yeah, scared. There's, there's different reasons, and I think self-sabotage looks differently, so I don't know... Like the the friend you're talking about that's lying, um, you know, I would wonder like, I mean, I really have no idea who the friend is you're talking about, but are they doing it because they don't want to be in that relationship? Do they like somebody else? Are they are they worried that they're going to get broken up with and so they're trying to derail it before? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the, but it's some kind of, in general, I would argue, it's some kind of self-protective mechanism or just a really bad habit. Like there are a lot of people that I work with as an executive coach who I don't think they are self-sabotaging. I just don't think they know what excellent looks like. And so their work is not excellent. Their performance, their ability to execute is not excellent. It's, it's not excellent. So they don't make it to that next level. I don't know if it's self-sabotage. It's just they don't see what like what it, what it would look like, what it could be, how they should work. I think habits, that's an interesting uh, point that you bring up because I feel like that could be like the self-sabotage in um, like the emotional eating arena. Uh-huh. Whereas people like think that they're self-sabotage, they like go in to, you know, like have a cookie or a potato chip, but then they end up going crazy and then just like, well, I ate a potato chip, so then, like, I might as well eat an entire pizza. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, is that self-sabotage or is that just bad habits? Yeah. I think that, I think the, I think overeating and undereating both, I mean, that's, like, a very complicated issue or challenge. It's very difficult to cheat, to, to treat. You know, like, especially the person who, uh, whose identity is wrapped up in what they look like, big or small. You know, if you're the overweight, funny person, right? If you're Chris Farley and you lose all that weight, what, who are you? Your identity has been so tied into what you look like. And so there are reasons that you wouldn't really think. Like you would think, why would Chris Farley not want to mm. lose the weight? Why would the head person not want to lose the weight? But as they lose the weight and what's been, what I have seen, which is fascinating, is when you do see someone losing weight, uh, they will grieve and experience the emotions that they experienced when they were that weight the last time. Like, like when on so- my 600 pound life. I don't know, what do you, is that happening in that show? Oh my gosh, yeah. I cannot watch that show. Okay. That's a depressing show. It is sad. But, but anyway, if somebody felt rejected at prom when they were 250 pounds and, you know, 17, you know, if they get down to 250 pounds and they're 34, they're going to experience that same level of rejection and see themselves the same way. And so you really are grieving in a very unique way. It's fascinating and sad. Do you think it happens more with women? Because like... Eating disorders? No, not just like our identities being wrapped up in weight. For sure. Yeah. I don't have any data around that, but for sure. I think you need to come up with a way to stop that because that's, um, I feel like, very prevalent. I'd be a very uh, wealthy man. If F- I could figure figure it out. Okay, I'll get to work, I'll get to work right away. <laughs> okay, so uh, I have another question um, that I'm experiencing right now. I just, but I feel like we're back to the you asking me questions and we're not having like, a conversation about it. So what do you think about the weight loss piece? About... Well, I was trying to think if it is it a habit or if it's self sabotage. Like, um, like they know, they know it's bad, and like, and I feel like you know every person can get in this cycle. So it's not they; it's all of us. But I think like, like, it just keeps like one thing keeps leading to another and I don't know if it's self-sabotage or like a weird habit circle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and it feels good. If you're talking about overeating, it feels good for like five seconds, and then you want to kill it. Then you not. Then you get all depressing, and your body doesn't feel right, and then you have to do it again to get the like little bit of high, and then. But think how many things in life are like that, that we as humans pursue because they feel good for like just a moment. Yeah, we need to stop that. Why don't you solve that problem? <laughs> you should take that on. Okay. All right, next question. You did okay on that one. Fair to mind, then. Yep. Um, let's talk about the current Groundhog Day of COVID and how to make it not feel like Groundhog's Day every day. Well, I think you've done a really good job. Uh, like, uh, for Allison and me, the... I'm pretty comfortable with like the same thing every single day. I'm pretty boring and I'm like happy just working in the basement all day. And Allison likes more variety. And I feel like you've done a really good job of on the weekends and every afternoon after when we get the kids. I feel like you have a good, you've been consistent about having fun things for us to do. We went, we, I mean, we go camping almost every weekend. We go to the park, like, you know, go rollerblading or fishing or, I mean, I feel like you've been really good about setting that up. Thanks. I'm glad you noticed. Mm-hmm. But that's big points. That, that see now I don't. That's, that saves me an apology. I'm trying to like camping more, so I feel I like I'm a novice. A and there's a lot a of bu- yeah, I'm a city slicker, you're, and there's a lot of bugs. Here's the thing: is I've noticed that you're kind of a, you're a city girl, and then you're judgmental about me not being like the mountain man. Like you're you're always expecting me to be a little bit more comfortable in the woods than I am. Well, you know how, like, you marry, like, you, when you, before you get married, like, I, I think you talked about this, but basically I got to know your spokesperson. Yeah. And your, and my spokesperson. (laughs) Your spokesperson was very planner oriented, like would plan things, plan things like backpacking trips and camping trips. Mm -hmm. But then like the, the non, the real David, not so much. Okay, that's true. What does that have to do with me not being outdoorsy? You're not. Why not? We Why went, are you disappointed? We went camping and he forgot a lighter, guys. A lighter. <laughs> I just drive two hours, basically, you to get us. You did not have to drive two hours. I had to drive you all the way back down the people. National Park. Okay, one hour I 35. Have, I, I may have forgotten the lighter. <laughs> we, all, it's all, we all have room to grow. <laughs> Yes. Um, those are those are all the questions I have. Do you have any for me that you think would be interesting? Did you hear that Kanye West is running for president? I want to know if his teeth are diamonds. What do you, why do you? Okay, so here here are the the. So in the sort of internet, in the interwebs, here's what people are saying. Either he's nuts. Uh-huh. Oh, we should talk about Rachel Hollis. Yes. But let's, just Kanye really quick. Uh, uh, either he's nuts. Maybe he's working with Trump to try and split the black vote and, you know, prevent Biden from getting the black vote and then allowing Trump to win. Uh, or he just had an album come out and maybe it's just all... Uh, Trying to get media for his newest album. Did you ever thought about that? Or he really thinks um, what's going on in the world is bananas and thinks he can do better. 
Do you know that he... Yeah, I think he... That's what he's saying. Because and, I feel like that's what Trump did. Like, Trump was like, this is bananas. I can do better. But then, like, I'm not sure. And then, like... But he did get elected. He would, like... Yeah, and he was out of, like, the system of, um, like, the systemic politician. That he was draining the swamp. He drained the swamp. And maybe brought in... Yeah. What's the another word for... What's another the word for swamp? I was trying to think uh. of... He brought we in a, a, a different a, funk. We have a we have a quagmire that we're in. <laughs> and so I wonder if Kanye feels like I feel like people like Kanye and Kim Kardashian and people like Trump and actually anybody that wants to be a president, they are very confident in their decision making abilities. And so I'm I I thought Trump was doing it as a publicity stunt, honestly, mm-hmm. before he did it. And then and then he did it. And I think you have to have that confidence because, I mean, people are going to tear you apart. And um, and I think, I kind of think Kanye maybe thinks he could do better. That's what I he's, think. He's going to model it after Wakanda from the Black, the movie The Black Panther. I haven't seen that, so I can't. I, hadn't, I didn't hear him say that, I just read that, but I believe that is what his... He hasn't thought about the taxes yet, so he seems like it's a little bit half-cocked to me, but whatever. All right, so what do you think about Rachel Hollis? You're, so Allison, ha- I've, I'm out of the Rachel Hollis game, uh, but Allison still follows... You don't follow Dave, but you do follow Rachel, and you get her like... I try music. not to follow Dave, because I find him? him... For me right now, I liked him a lot. We are not in a good place. You and Dave are in a difficult season. We are in a difficult season right now. Um, because, like, honestly, I read, I bought his book when it came out and read it. And then, like, like two weeks later, and it's all about, like, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. And then two weeks later, after I bought the book and read it, and I was going to go to his book tour, um, they got divorced. I found that fascinating. And... Yeah, I have been following Rachel, and um, I was just wondering what you thought about her tip. No, I brought it up. <laughs> you, what do you think? You're the one who's watching her. I feel like her tips have been good, still. It's still, like, like really weird to me. Um, like, she keeps talking about how hard it is, and I believe her. But about, she's never lived alone since she was 19 years old. Um, so now she just... She bought a house and moved in and had to get all new furniture. And um, she got a dog because she was lonely in her house. But I am like, I still am, I don't know. Like, it's like people are like, oh, like everyone gets divorced and everyone's human. But it, the struggle for me is that, like, that wasn't the image that you showed the world. Like, you showed the world that if you were intentional about your relationships, and um like put it above all else then like if you know and so I still struggle with that piece of it but um I haven't deleted her you struggle because you feel like she I got our money back for the run though we're not doing the run (laughs) we were gonna do a run in December right yeah like in Austin or something but you're I but what you're saying I think is that she lied to you she lied she knew she was lying they both did yeah, I think they probably. Did. I don't know how that. But, but I, I feel like there's I debate about. Something. I feel like there's like debate about did they lie about it, and it's like. 
they for sure lied. I don't know if that, that's, there's no question that they misrepresented their relationship for the last, let's just call it three months. Like you can't deny that and probably for a lot longer than that. I feel like Or do you think that they're impulsive? I, I, I've been weighing this back and forth. Like, did they impulsively make this decision and then need, never got an off ramp because we're in the middle of a crisis? Because, like, all the way leading up, they went and did, like, a, a ceremony in Ireland for their love, for their 16-year anniversary, like, not that long, like, six months ago. Don't you think that those kinds of things are performative? Yeah. Like, did they really... So, 16 years? Or 18 or something. I don't know. So, it wasn't 10 or it wasn't 20. Like it's, it seems like no, a no, no, weird... no, no, no. It was fifteen years. Maybe okay, this year's their sixteenth. No, oh, okay. Well, then that maybe it's it's le- more of a milestone. I just think it, I still think. Uh, I mean, just come on. I, I have a hard time thinking that these are these are these are they ran an empire. The number the the impact of this is not a let's just swing by the courthouse and get a divorce because I'm pissed at you right now. It's a huge deal. I can't, I have a hard time with the, it was an impulsive, you know, everybody keeps saying online, you know, they read uh, Glenna Doyle's book. Oh, Untamed? Untamed, and then got derailed because the book derailed them. I mean, it just seems like such a drastic... I would like to talk about that book. Did anyone else get depressed reading that book? I can't, I I tried to read it. Everybody said read it, so I I tried... I, I read I read like 70 pages and that's all that I could take. But all these great authors are like saying how great it is. Like Jen Hatmaker loved it. Brene Brown loved it. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Because there's no comic relief in this book. It is all Debbie Downer. That is, that, that <laughs> is, those people are deeper than I am. And I don't want to go that deep. Like I don't, like the, like it just, there was so much uh, angst and discomfort. And I think some people like to... Uh, can relate to and they like to feel that and so those kinds of books sort of scratch that itch I think it's a I think it's also normalizing if you're in a place of distress to read that book and see other people or hear about other people struggle it feels good um, but like for me I just want to I mean I do a, I do a YouTube thing and it's going to be pop psychology because I want it to be fun fun like I'm not looking for distress in my life and that book was distressing I found it I did not find it well, enjoyable so so I agree with you that I like to read fun but I also like to read things like that for growth purposes which is why I read read Brene Brown and Jen Hatmaker but something about the voice in that book like there it, I couldn't I couldn't get anything positive like to make that sounds so selfish, but like I wanted to take some a learning from Lennon Doyle and be like, oh, this is positive. I feel positive. Like this is gonna change my life and others for the better. And I just was not getting that from that. I got a lot of um, I, I'm not sure what I got from that. So you got is her name Glennon or Glennon? I can never remember her name. I think it's Glennon. You got a lot of her. This is her third memoir. Yeah, and she's like my age. So she's got. Okay, a... so she's. This is somebody. I, I don't want to. I mean, I'm just. It feels like it's a lot of Glennon. Like it's a lot of. It was heavy Glennon. Heavy Glennon. And it's. And it, I think that that is how. 
I think she's experienced, I mean, her book would tell you that she's experienced a lot of distress in her life. And I think for her to write it down and turn it into a narrative is a very healthy way for her to give her life purpose. That's, I think, the, I mean, that's what a, th a therapist would do. That That's what a therapist does is says, okay, so you've been through these traumas. Like, what does it mean? Like, tell mm -hmm. a story about your, through your life where that makes sense. And you can be proud of what that narrative looks, what that narrative looks like. I just don't want to read her narrative, but I think it's really healthy and, and good for her. And but I found her narrative depre depressing and, I mean, by definition, self-centered. But sort of not interesting enough for me to put up with. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm in the gym listening to that book and I'm getting depressed. I'm like I just can't. I'm you know. So, okay. So for then let's stop here because I I think you would not like that book, but. But like it is, an, it is on the bestseller list. There is a lot of people that like that book. Why, why do they like it so much? Because I miss, I miss the boat. I wanted to like it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know. I don't make that list. Well, I'm gonna create. We should. I'm gonna. I should I think make it. Ask people. Like a lot of people. A lot of really smart, funny people liked it. I'm gonna make a. a, a for our YouTube channel, we should make a book club of like fun books, but but I think that the <laughs> I don't I read think fun that though. the I think that the Oprah, I think the Oprah and the is it Reese Witherspoon that mm -hmm. has one, I think there is a. I I think I think those type of people like the deep emotion. The more um, sort of traumatic, the more trying, the more tortured. The person can be in the book. I think that there's no lure to look at the depth, versus you know, you know, a lot of society, a lot of what people are interested in. There's just sort of platitudes and sort of superficial stuff. And so these books are, they differentiate themselves. I think they're excruciating, but I think that it's the. That's the yeah. Well. Anyway, back to Rachel Hollis. I hope that that wasn't the reason, um, her and Dave got divorced. Yeah, that would be a very stupid reason to get divorced. Yeah. She does talk about, I think about Glennon Doyle, how when she met her, what's her, her wife's name now? The soccer star? I can't remember. You were talking about what a awesome soccer remember. player she was. She was. I mean, I can picture her, but I can't remember what her, what her name is. Dang it. Okay. Well, she was talking about how, like, when she met her, like, she tingled and she knew. Yeah. And she wasn't a lesbian before that. Yeah. Like, it was just this person, right time, right place, all the tingles, all the feels. Yeah, I don't buy it. Okay. Do you buy that? Well, no. I mean, I was feeling like, what? Like, that happened? Like, someone comes Wait, in... Wait, that didn't happen when you saw me? Well, it did, but I was... It did. Oh, it, I, good. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just to let you know, this uh, format is going on a podcast, so you can catch it on Shrinkwrapped on wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcaster, all of them. Mm -hmm. Google Podcasts, right? Does Google help podcasts? Uh, they're wherever you get It's them. everywhere. And then uh, also like and subscribe. If you have questions that you want David to answer, please... Uh, send uh, send them put them in the comments uh, or you can go ahead sorry no
was, go ahead. Finish. No, just put them in the comments. Um, we also in the comments, let us know if you like this longer form. This was 35 minutes. Uh, if you like this longer form or if you preferred the more kind of brief shotgun question answer format. We're just trying to figure out what people are most interested in. All right, thank you.